you wanna know something interesting? At, at least I think it's kind of interesting. It's actually, well, about me, and I find myself very interesting, so of course I think you should as well. I mean, just kidding, seriously. Um, I do wanna tell you this though. Come this summer, I have been doing this work for 16 years, which is not that long, but it's enough time to develop some pretty ingrained habits and patterns, which for, the mo which for most of us is not, well, it's not a bad thing. With enough practice and with enough repetition, we become pretty good at what we do. At the very least, we become very familiar with what we do, which means that if we stay for the same job for a while or do the same hobby for a while, then, well, not much surprises us because we know what to expect. We know how it goes. And that is what I find so very interesting this week. For the first time in a very long time, I am actually surprised by our focus text. Not because I haven't heard this story before. In fact, I must have read it a hundred times over the years. I've talked about it a lot. I've studied it. And I've always approached it in a very similar way. Here it is. Jesus is outside of his home territory. He's in a foreign place where Israel's adversaries reside. It's in this context that a foreign woman approaches Jesus out of desperation looking to find healing for her daughter. As one who is considered an outsider by the Jews, the prejudice towards this woman is very, very clear from the beginning. Jesus' disciples don't want anything to do with her, and neither does Jesus. In fact, Jesus uses a derogatory slur as a way to dismiss her and her request, but she counters and challenges Jesus' perception. Jesus changes his mind and calls her a person of great faith and an example to be followed, concluding with the healing of her child. <laughs> so, hearing this, the way I've always kind of applied that is, well, it goes like this. So the impact of this story has been about the inclusion of an outsider, God's indiscriminate love towards the least of those, and our call to help follow in that way. It's a story that highlights human in-group and out-group behavior and how we very often focus on differences and then use those differences to exclude and dehumanize. And the story then pushes us to, to see that that is not how God's kingdom looks or functions. So there you go. That's how I've always understood the story. And for years, for years, that's, that's what I've talked about. And that's still there, but this week, I am surprised. Looking at the story through the lens of resiliency, our topic for this month, it takes on a whole new dimension. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, 
Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And your daughter was healed instantly. So growing up, I was raised in a family that attended worship each week. Through my faith formation, I learned that Jesus loved me and that God was good. In this way, the story of faith taught to me, it was very comforting. There was a reason why things happened the way they did. God was in control. And the promise of eternal life with Jesus soothed my childhood anxiety about premature death, which was pretty high at the time, as it was with a lot of kids who realized that death is actually a thing. So I also learned that you could pray to God and be heard when things were bad and faithful people could count on God to act. As I said, it was all so comforting because it was straightforward and gave assurances should something go wrong in life. My faith functioned kind of like an insurance policy. So I've, I've told this story plenty here at Bethlehem, so I'll be brief. But it was during this time in my young life that my grandma got really sick with cancer. And being that we were a family that went to church every week, and being that I learned that Jesus loved me and that God was accessible and would answer the prayers of those who had faith, well, we did what anybody would do in that situation. We prayed for my grandma. And like you know, or maybe you can guess, after a very, very long time of praying, her body finally had enough, it gave out, and, and she died. And just like that, the whole structure of how I understood God and, and how I understood my faith, it, it began to fall apart. A good God would not let this happen, at least not in the way that it did, when it did. Further, what was I to make of all the time we spent praying? Either God did not listen to me, or was powerless to do anything, or I did not have enough faith for God to grant my wish, or I don't know, something else went wrong. I, I, I just don't know. And it began to snowball from there. I mean, what, was God curing some people of their diseases and not others? Really? I mean, how does that work? And now that I was thinking about that, I started thinking about our family mealtime prayer where we thank God for our food. What was the implication there? Did God provide what my family needed while some other poor soul not living in the suburbs who went hungry that night did so because God did not provide food for them as well as other basic necessities? I mean, seriously? And the questions just kept going. What I learned early on is that simplistic faith works really well and is very comforting and provides assurances and answers to many of life's questions when life is pleasant, when everything is working the way that it should work, when life is easy, but it quickly, quickly falls apart when things get dicey, when you poke at it too hard, and when you put it up against the unfairness of real life. What I needed and what I think we all need is a faith that is not easy or simple, but a faith that is resilient. Stephanie mentioned a couple of weeks ago when she introduced the topic of resilience that this word is used a lot. It's a high mileage word, but that is because it's so important. Often when people think about resilience, 
um, about being able to move forward in challenging times, they think about psychological resilience or emotional resilience. Others think about physical resilience. Far few or far fewer people think about community resilience, although, well, that is a thing, and how the community that you live in moves forward when there is collective trauma like a shooting or a natural disaster. However, I can say this, almost no one, and I mean no one, thinks about spiritual resilience. I mean, how do you move forward when your faith has taken a beating? How do you move forward when life breaks your construct of God? When the way that you thought about God, when, well, when the way that you were taught about God, when that just doesn't seem to work anymore, well, how do you move forward with that? <laughs> I think there are generally three ways people deal with this. First, some people end up protecting God in a way that preserves what they have always believed. So people in this camp might have said to me when I was young, Chad, God is good all the time. Your grandma died because you did not have enough faith when you were praying, or she got cancer as a punishment for something she did, or God needed her and just took her. I mean, it's, it's quite simple. Second, some people end up just throwing the story of their faith and their belief in God out the window. They stop participating in the faith community and maybe would have told my younger self something like this, Chad, God did not give your grandma cancer or cause her to die because there is no God. There is nothing outside of you. There's nothing outside of what you can see, sense, and reason. And still others, finally, um, they, for, for some, they take their experiences in life and they wrestle with God and they ask questions and they struggle with God until something new and life-giving emerges. And so in this world, somebody might have said to me, Chad, your grandma did not die because of what you did or did not do, nor is the goodness of or reality of God in question. But there is more to prayer than trying to use God as a vending machine to get what you want. And the story of our faith reveals that God is most profoundly present in the silence and suffering of this world. This third way develops spiritual resilience, a kind of faith and trust in God that moves beyond the superficial and into the complex. It is a faith that gives hope because it is a faith built out of struggle. It's built out of time and practice. It's a faith that does not shy away from the big questions while still addressing the great needs of our world. This is what I now see coming out of our focus text today. A woman at the end of her rope keeps working, keeps questioning, keeps struggling for healing, life, and justice. At first, she is ignored, yet she persists. She is told to go away, but she keeps coming. She is told that her kind are dogs, and she says that it is the nature of God to love and care for the dogs. <laughs> Jesus, maybe being caught off guard, looks at her and says, you are right. Your faith, your, your persistent, struggling, probing, resilient faith is great. In this, you will find hope, wellness, healing, and hope. <laughs> I never saw that before. It is my hope that Bethlehem can help you build a resilient faith.
one that takes seriously the human condition and the world in which we live, as well at the same time, a faith that is life-giving and hopeful as it connects us to the nature of God's love and care for all. It is my hope that you would be unsatisfied by easy answers to, life bi to life's big questions and a superficial faith, and that you might work, struggle, and wrestle with God in order to find life and hope and the fullness of life. This is what our focus text invites us into today. It is the good news that we need to hear as we think about our faith that is resilient. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. As a way of taking today's focus text, as well as the reflection on that text a little bit deeper and applying that to your life, here are a couple of questions that, uh, to help guide you in this. Number one. Has there been an event in life that has called into question your faith? You know, the way that you think about and understand God. And question number two is a small, is a short one. How resilient is your faith? What do you think?